Welcome to this UQ alumni podcast. In this podcast, our UQ experts will discuss mentoring for career success. First up, we hear from Ali Addy, the founder of She Mentors, a mentoring platform for women in business. Ali is a proud advocate of gender equality and is on a mission to empower those around her to give back and drive change through mentoring. Here's Ali Addy. So I wanted to frame the conversation um, a little bit about why mentoring is important. And I wanted to borrow a little quote from Brené Brown. I'm sure most of you are familiar with Brené. She says, we don't have to do all of it alone. We were never meant to. So you don't need to go through your career or business on your own, feeling isolated, lacking clarity, not sure of the next steps or like what direction you're supposed to go in. So what are the benefits? And there's lots. There are really three that I see as being huge benefits of mentoring. Um, And the first one obviously is confidence. You have the confidence to take the right next steps, whether that's a new job or um, a promotion, whether it's speaking opportunities. Um, And interestingly, uh, what we've seen is the huge boost in, in confidence for the mentor. So for the one that's actually giving the advice, It really validates that you do know what you're talking about and that you do have a lot to offer. Um, And I think, you know, for the imposters out there, this has been a bit of a breakthrough. And one of the biggest benefits, I think, of being part of a mentoring network. Um, And it's what I personally really love as well. Uh, The second thing is perspectives. You know, bouncing ideas, talking strategy with people you wouldn't normally cross paths with. Uh, Getting that alternative point of view. It's really, really important and really, really effective. Um, So it's important to surround yourselves with people who are different, who view the world through a different lens, Um, whether that's an industry, whether it's race, religion, experience level, that just gives you so much more to work with. It opens your eyes to new things, things you hadn't thought of before. Um, And it's proven that companies benefit, you know, they perform better when there is a diverse workforce. There's more sales, more customers, higher profit margins. Um, And we believe this to be the same for mentoring as well. So whether you've got one year or 40 years of experience, I think you can offer something really valuable. And then the last one there is um, opportunities. There's a quote that I really love, and it's each person you meet is a new door to a different world. And this is absolutely true for your career or business. The opportunities that present themselves because of your network and the people that you're associating with are amazing. Now that we know some of the main benefits of mentoring, increased confidence, perspective and opportunities, we will hear from leadership professor Polly Parker on how we can utilise mentoring in our careers. Professor Polly Parker is the Associate Dean Academic in the Faculty of Business, Economics and Law at UQ. She has an international profile in the careers field, marked by her work as the co-developer of the Intelligent Career Card Sort which has been used globally for research and practice in career development. She is also the lead author of the acclaimed Peer Coaching at Work book, published by Stanford University Press in 2018. Here's Professor Polly Parker. Rather than adopt a strict focus on mentoring, I'm encouraging you to adopt a broader approach that I would put under the umbrella of relational learning. So what is relational learning? Well, it is learning that has the support 
of another person or group of people. We know that this is a key aspect of leadership development and the studies conducted at the Center for Creative Leadership in the USA show that learning happens in three contexts. And I'd like you all to think about what the percentage might be for each of these. So one context is learning on the job. Another context is relationships. And the third context is through formal programs. So it might be a development program. So just jot down what percentage you think that learning on the job would be, learning through relationships would be, and learning through formal programs. Well, the answer is learning on the job uh, accounts for 70%, 70. Relationships count for 15 to 20%, and formal programs 10 to 15%. So when you're thinking about developing your own career capital, it's best if you combine all three. So I wonder how close you were in allocating those percentages. The essence of successful learning from someone else, whether it is a mentor, a peer, a supervisor, is having a high quality connection. So what is a high quality connection? Well, it's an interaction between two people that is characterized by mutuality, interdependence, and empathy. So the mutuality is I might support you in one moment or to work through one issue, and in another um, occasion, you might support me. So it works both ways. The interdependence means that I can move from being the person who's asking questions in order to provide guidance to the person who is being asked questions. And that agility to move from one position to another is a really critical one to develop the capability to be a really good support. So whether you're a mentor or a mentee, whether you're a peer coach or you're being coached, that agility is required. The third characteristic of high quality connections is empathy. Now developing empathy can come in many different ways. It might be from the words that are used. It might be from the tone of the language. It might come from observing body, body language, which gives you a hunch as to what might be going on. It might be from honoring silences when there's no words spoken at all. And together, these three aspects form an empowering process that leads to personal growth and development. So here's another question for you. Can you think of the last time that you learned something about yourself, either personally or professionally? Think about what it was you learned. Where were you and who were you with? And can you identify if there was a high quality connection associated with that experience? Now, it really helps because that increases your own self-awareness in terms of how you learn and how you will best benefit from a relational learning experience. To ensure that there is a high quality connection, 
The key focus for all participants includes seven things. The first is your personal objective. So no one is able to really help you if you don't know what you want from the interaction. So this is the first step in taking responsibility for your own learning and being accountable for it. What do you want? The second aspect is to clarify expectations at the start. So at the beginning of an, uh, a session, you might say, what I would like to get from this um, session is the following. A third aspect is defining and coming to a shared understanding about confidentiality. What does it mean? Some people say to me, well, um, I can go home and share this with my partner because um, they don't talk to anyone else. Um, they don't know the people who are involved and we share everything. So to me, that's an extension of my own confidentiality. For other people, that's a complete no-no. And they might say, um, I'm only prepared to share things with you um, if you hold it uh, personally close to your heart. The third, uh, sorry, the fourth aspect to consider is support. Now this is a word that means different things to different people. Some people might feel that they're being supported if another person gives them a solution to their problems. However, that same response might feel like anything but support to someone else. They might feel as though they're being told what to do and they don't see it as supportive at all. So having a conversation at the beginning of your interaction about what support would look like can be very helpful and it links back into clarifying expectations. It's a particular expectation that you might discuss. The fifth aspect that's very important to ensure success from an interpersonal interaction is trust. Now, we don't get trust by saying, I'm trustworthy, trust me. Most of us would test that out. And we might begin by thinking, well, I'll give the benefit of the doubt and I'll behave as if there is trust until I have a reason to see that there isn't. So that association with behaving as if can be a very powerful way of making progress, gaining traction, without having to have had a long time together to develop that trust. The sixth aspect is reciprocity. What do I give and what do I get? Uh, I often say that the best way to get something from a relationship is to not think about what you're getting from it, but to think about what you're giving to it. What is your contribution? How are you adding value? And the more that you focus on adding value, the more likely it is that you will get something back. So there is always a two-way street, but it does not always work in the way that we might expect. And the final point, the seventh point, is listening skills. Now, I've seen a lot of CVs during my career, and I don't think I have seen one that doesn't say listening skills is a strength. Often it's written like that, listening skills. But actually, that's an umbrella term that covers many different skills within it. So I would encourage you to think about 
how you would self-assess on different types of listening skills. So one of them might be the ability to reflect back what you've heard. Now that's different from parroting the words back. Um, it, it's a deeper, more encompassing uh, approach to taking in some of those body language cues, non-spoken things to reflect back what you think um, the person is expressing. Another uh, listening skill is the ability to summarize what you've heard. So in the interaction, you might say, well, let's pause for a moment. This is what I've heard you saying. How accurate is that? So it's a sensing skill that you can check that you're on the same page. It's also a way to build trust as you go through the process. Another example of a listening skill is being able to challenge somebody to make them really think, especially if you hear some inconsistencies in what they have said to you. So those aspects are about the process, but what are the essential relational skills that you need to build success? So this is a slightly different approach, all complementary. The first is curiosity. How much, how curious are you? And by curious, I don't mean, can you tell me all the details? Very often when you're listening to someone else talk through their own problem, you don't need to know the detail at all, really. You're picking up on the other cues. You don't need to know who said what to whom and, and what happened next. How would you self-assess your ability to ask effective questions? This is perhaps the most effective way to engender success in someone else by getting them to think deeply and effectively about their own career. This is a part of deep listening. So deep listening is about li listening to what has not been said. Often um, people's behavior is driven by the needs that they have. So needs are very powerful and individuals don't necessarily recognize what they are. But through astute questioning and careful observation, you might be able to think about what a need might be and put that out there for possible discussion. Another example of something that might come up through deep listening is the values that are being expressed, even though those, the words of those values are not being um, used. Very often people learn about their values when someone trips over them. So if I have a value about punctuality, for example, and someone's late, I might get really annoyed even though I might understand the reason for the person being late. And if I step back and reflect on my response to what's happening, I might uncover a value that I hold that I wasn't even aware of. The fourth relational skill is self-management. So I used to um, uh, work for Lifeline as a uh, volunteer and developing the training programs for Lifeline counsellors. And one reason that we often turned people down for, from coming into the training was that they were set about solving someone else's problem. This is not a good way to uh, help someone develop their own career success. And it requires self-management. So even if I think that I might be able to work out what the answer to your problem is or a solution for you, I have to manage myself 
and pause and wait and listen and not jump in. For some people, that's very difficult. I know for people with a preference for extroversion, for example, silences can be very uncomfortable and gaps can lead them to think, oh, nothing's happening, I better jump in with something else or say something else. Actually, that behavior gets in the way. And it's a good example of learning to be aware of your own cues and learning to manage them. The other aspect of a relational skill to consider is how accountable are you? So no matter what your role, whether you're acting as a mentor, a mentee, a peer coach, you're accountable for your contribution in that. And it's very helpful to be very clear about what your role is and what you are accountable for. So I'd like to offer you a new form of relational learning and that is peer coaching. It was um, helpful to see the uh, poll taken at the beginning about how many of you have engaged in peer coaching. And the reason I like to um, offer you the thought of peer coaching is that it removes the power dimension that some people experience in a mentoring relationship, particularly if your mentor is also a supervisor for you. Peers can identify current situations and we know that old patterns are not the template for future action. What a peer can do is identify that they're in a current similar situation and learning to ask um, powerful questions can really help um, individuals develop insight into their own issues, their own behaviors, and what responses might really work for them. Peer coaching also enables greater participation because it doesn't require the formal matching of a mentor with a mentee. The final reason that I would promote peer coaching to you is that it builds internal leadership capability. Learning to ask effective questions, learning to manage yourself is a perfect way of stepping into a leadership role and enabling you to have broader influence over more people. So just to sum up, if you take one thing away from what I've said, I'd like you to assess those essential relational skills because they really do underpin the success and outcomes from relational learning, no matter what form that takes. So choose one of those skills and see if in the next week or two by focusing on it, you can hone that skill and improve it. For example, it might be being more genuinely curious when listening to other people. And that might involve a whole range of behaviors on your part, not just asking questions, but also stepping back, observing, thinking about patterns that you've noticed if you've worked with the person before. And then I want you to practice it. And if there's one way to embed a new learning, it's to share your experience with someone else. So I'd like you to identify who that person will be. Who are you going to share your practice experience with? We hope you enjoyed hearing from our experts, Ali Addy and Professor Polly Parker. If you would like to hear more from UQ experts, then check out our range of webinars on the UQ alumni website, follow UQ alumni on social media, or listen to another UQ alumni podcast. 
If you would like to join a mentoring platform, you might be interested in UQ's alumni to alumni mentoring platform, UQA2A. A2A is a free mentoring platform available for all UQ alumni to connect, learn and grow. Now that you know the benefits of mentoring and how to make the most of your mentoring experience, why not give it a go? For more information on UQ A2A, check out the link in our show notes. My name is Lucy Blair and thanks for listening.